0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is Matt Smith with Modern Realty. How are you, Matt?
1: Good, Martin. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited about this one.
1: I'm excited, too, and uh,
0: and happy to be able to connect with your group. So the reason I had you on and the reason I reached out is because a lot of people are looking for that recreational property or hunting, fishing, trapping property because of what has happened um, in the last year with the recent events of COVID and the incline and spike in interest to get outdoors, correct? Sure,
1: absolutely. That is one of the factors that has um, started to drive people to look for their own piece of property, yeah.
0: What do you find as, as a realtor is the biggest draw of people having their own property? Why are why is the market so saturated with buyers right now?
1: Yeah, you know everybody's situation is a little bit different, but I think that you know through our own personal experiences, you're going to see a lot of people that have competed for spots on state land, um, and in some areas of our state, we have more accessibility to state land and in some areas we have less and so that ultimately drives people to have their own piece um, of land that they can kind of do their own thing and you know I don't have a problem hunting on state land at all you know as long as you're willing to, to work a little harder you can do some really good hunting but you can't alter that terrain at all either so someone who does like to do habitat work or wants to get into habitat work um, you can only do that if you have your own property and then if you have your own property then you have something that you can
0: share with your friends and family and potentially pass on to future generations as well right when we're looking at potential properties to buy what would you suggest we do to find for lack of a better term the one
1: well the first thing you know and this is going to sound cliche because I'm a realtor but the the first thing you need to do is you need to find somebody that you're comfortable working with that that knows how to find all those properties and one of the reasons I say that is because whether it's buying homes or whether it's buying land Zillow and realtor.com have been very very popular because it's easy for us to sit on the couch and scroll through you know and look at things out there however those websites also can be fairly unpredictable and unreliable as well. And I'm sure that a lot of the people listening to this podcast have found properties that they thought might work for them only to find out that it is already sold and Zillow and realtor.com don't reflect that. So they don't, they don't work in real time all the time that the way that we do when we have access to the mls and mls stands for multiple listing service so i guess you know reaching out to somebody that can help you with that search and find properties that really are available for one and have some resources to find those and, and and have a conversation with you about what The right property is for you
0: right well that leads me to the to the reason that i actually got a hold of you when i reached out to you was because your commercial on the radio actually hit me you said on your commercial let's put some boots on and go walk the property and that you know not a lot of realtors in the market are willing to do that you know what i mean they like they'll show you the property but they're not going to they're not going to put boots on and walk the 10 acres or the 20 acres or whatever you're looking at and, and go all the way to the back of the property or the you know whatever the case may be yeah that's uh th- that that's very true and um,
1: it pains me when I see a listing for a piece of property, and it's pretty clear that what the person representing that property did was pull up in their car and roll their window down and snap a picture out of the window of their car from the road, and really hasn't, you know, dug into that property and done, you know, some research on it. So again, you know, there's different strokes for different folks, right? I'm a, I'm a hunter. And, and I love Habitat work, and that's kind of what drew me into, you know, working in, on the real estate side of this. And, and I love residential real estate and working with those clients, too, but they're different. And so, you know, you do need to be, if you want to do a good job, you do need to be ready to put your boots on and, and, and have the tools and have the access on your phone, cell signal, you know, as long as there's cell signal. be able to show somebody where the property lines are and and, and to walk it and to really discuss what's there and and what the what the benefits of that property are
0: we're gonna back up because i always introduce my my guests and ask them how they got started into hunting and and who introduced them so let's let's go that route yeah so uh i started
1: like a lot of kids in in Michigan, I hunted and fished with my dad. Um, mostly fished, but I lived. I grew up in the country, and um, just instantly, from the time I had a BB gun um, as a kid in the in the late 70s, I, I wanted to I wanted to hunt, and then that progressed to a to a 22 um, and and squirrel hunting, and that progressed to a, a 20 gauge and. At that time, the licensing was a little bit different, of course, so we couldn't bow hunt until we were 12, and we couldn't rifle hunt until we were 16. But I got a, I got a bow, um, an old bear uh, compound bow, when I was 12, and uh, shot my first, shot my first deer out of a tree when I was 12 years old, and really never looked back. I'm 48 years old now, and I, I don't miss, I, I haven't missed a season other than a, a couple years when I was in the military and I was out of state. However, um, I did figure out ways to hunt where I was at and I was stationed in Colorado and uh, I did some elk and mule deer hunting out there. But other than
0: that, I've never missed a deer season since I was 12 and um, just love it. That's awesome. So uh, one other get to know you question. Um, If you could hunt any species in the world and anywhere in the world, money, no object, where are you hunting and why and what? Wow, that is a tough question.
1: Uh, it's a great question. it's a tough question.
0: I've always respected the white-tailed
1: deer from the standpoint of being one of the most difficult animals to hunt a mature white-tailed deer and and I've had the opportunity to hunt white tails in Kansas and Missouri and Illinois. It, at this point in my life, I've always hunted on public land and uh, and with with a bow. I've always, Uh, can be tough but I really have a a drive and a passion to get back to the mountains and hunt elk also but I still think if I could only hunt one thing it would be white-tailed deer and and part of that is is just they are I, I believe that they're one of the one of the smartest the savviest game animals that there is and and every time you think you have deer figured out they prove to you that you don't and i, I do like that challenge
0: yeah they go and change the rules on you and that's not fair yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> okay so let's get back to the aspect of looking for excuse me looking for property somebody reaches out to you says hey matt i have a dream this is what I'm looking for. What's the next step? Well, the next step is refining that.
1: And that conversation is me asking some questions like, tell me more about your dream. You know, where is this dream located? How much acreage are we looking at? Are we looking at 10 acres or 40 or 80 or or 200? And what is our budget? And have you talk to a lender and 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 how well do we understand what it's going to take to achieve this financially so those basic questions are going to start to refine this
0: into something that we can then go out and start finding some properties okay so let's say i come to you i'm looking i don't not looking for 200 acres or 500 acres or anything like that i'm looking at between tenants um obviously maybe some swampy areas you know, things, things for deer hunting, um, they're all set and ready to go. We're in the process of ready to buy to next
1: next is, you know, at that point, that's where, that's where my role, my job kicks in. Um, you know, that's where I'm now going to start doing that search. And I'm going to start sending you some properties um for us discuss and then decide whether we want to go walk them and look at them so when you're when you've kind of defined the size and the area and, 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 the, and we've, we've gotten through finance it or if it's going to be a cash sale um, then it's on me it's really on me to to dig up to dig up those properties that meet your your criteria and
0: cap. Uh, okay. Is there are different property types that people like. Like for for example, bird hunters are going to look for the, you know, regrowth in them and stuff like that for their grouse and woodcock and things of that nature. Um, specifics of properties that yeah that most hunters everybody, look for. Everybody
1: has something a little different, right? And I think a little a little bit of that goes the question you asked if I got started hunting and what my history of hunting was. So, you know, some people, and they they, they hunted, you know, pine forest or cedar swamp or something like that, and, and that's what they know, and people will gravitate naturally towards what and what they're comfortable with um, to some extent, but really like to help that is what is the diversity of the terrain and what can be changed and can't be changed, because there's a lot of things with that development that weens on a piece of property but some of the things we can't change like whether the ground is low or high um you know delineated wetlands you can't change that you can't do anything about that so we can either decide that we're okay with using that habitat advantage or we need to look for different and if it's got a mixture of some timber lands, then we're going to discuss what we can do to, to make those open areas conducive to how you want to hunt it. And that might be, you know, planting Norway spruces or white pines. It might be, um, you know, planting um, fruit trees and that nature. So there's just so many different directions that that can go. That's really the, that's really the, is how we're going to shape this into, you know, what your vision is and, and how it fits the surrounding area, which is also, just as important is on that, you know, call it ten or twenty acres. It's just as important all around it, and how we use that to our advantage to hold deer um, and, and other wildlife uh, as what's that particular
0: piece of property. Okay. So if somebody comes and they say, you know, I'm looking, can as the client I'm looking at, here's the ones that pique my interest can we go look how how do you how do you go for lack of a better term to go look at these these properties
1: yeah sure that's a great question so we have in michigan we have uh an an app or software called showing time and that's used by licensed realtors um most of the time not not everybody uses it but it's used most of the time and so these properties and i pull them up in showing time and then I schedule a time uh, for us to go look at it. Some of them uh, don't require approval; they just will approve. But it's more of a giving the seller and the listing agent a heads up that um, you're going to be there at, you know, one o'clock on a Saturday. And some of them, to wait, the, you submit a request, and then it goes into the listing agent, and the listing agent talks to the seller, and the seller says, "Yep, that's fine." And, and then it comes back to us. And so that's how I line up those showings is by using that, that software um, so that everybody knows. Because the, the, the last thing that sellers want is people just arbitrarily walking around on their property. Now, in a lot of cases, they're not there. They're not around. But you never know well especially during hunting season you never know on any given you know saturday or, or or late afternoon or something like that um the property owner might be there doing some work or something so you never want to just go unannounced um it and encouraged to do a drive-by like i do have clients that absolutely say hey matt let me just let me just do a drive and make sure that the area looks like it is where i want to be and then um if it if it first sniff test, then yeah, let's set up a time to to dig in there and put our boots on and go, go walk the
0: property. Would tell a prospect looking for property that they need, what is it that we as a client need to, for you to succeed in this property for us? It, It just really
1: the main thing is is just understanding you know what the cost is going to be and and again going back to that financing piece you know are we are we using a lender or are we you know doing a we got some money earmarked to buy this property and then from there you know really just you know let me guide the problem help you uncover what's really important to you because what I find is that a lot of people don't very deep as far as, or they think they've thought deep about what it is that they're looking for. But when I start answer asking some questions, then they, they quit. You know, I didn't think about that. That's a pretty good point. So it, the thing I could, could tell you is to, to be open-minded and, and, and come into this conversation and be willing to sit down and discuss, um, you know, guide that process.
0: Okay. In Midland, at modern realty um but you're you're licensed throughout the state so if somebody's looking at let's say property in the UP you can go up there or are you gonna say, hey you know I got something up there why don't you drive up there and you know they'll show you the property or how does that work
1: Sure that's a that's a
0: question because conventionally speaking most
1: real that that do primarily residential real estate, work very closely within the area where their office is. Um, I do work statewide. Um, we've handled properties over in Nuego County and all the way up to Oswego County and um, over in Aranaki and Gratiot County. I mean, you name it. Um, when it comes to property, that uh, that that's on um, and getting to see every corner of, of, of our state. Um, which I love. So, yeah, it covers the entire state and 99 of the time I'm going to be able to fulfill that that for someone. The only, hey, I've got a connection here or there that might work better for you is if, if our timing, if our schedules aren't working real well um, on when availability is, um, I don't want to hold somebody up because there's something in the UP they want to look at Um, and we need to do that in the next couple days and I'm not available, then I will certainly, um, and help them find somebody that can help them, uh, in a timely manner. Because right now, in a lot of cases, time is of the essence, um, and you've got to jump on these
0: properties pretty quickly. Right. I know the, I know the market is, is pretty volatile right now because everybody is wanting, it's, it's like musical chairs, you know? (laughs) Yep.
1: The only time
0: what I I guess, what is the going rate right now for acreage in, let's say Midland County?
1: The questions that I get asked more often than anything else. And I I love when I get asked that question because it opens up, you know, some things to think about. and. The pair of property is dependent on a couple of things, so I'm going to answer this in a couple different ways. One, it depends on how big the property is. So, you know, acreage is kind of a volume, a volume discount kind of thing, if you will. Because if we're looking at a building, uh, a building site that's uh, three to five acres, or even three to ten acres, the price per acre for that is going to be very different than if we're looking at 20 to 40 acres, or if we jump up to 80 to 100 acres or more. So to give you an example, in Mid- using Midland County as the example right now, if we're looking at it's got a decent building site on it, the price per acre for that can easily be five to $10,000 an acre. Oh, geez. I mean, we sell we sell 10 acre parcels for 65, $75,000. You know, because they have a good building site on them, they have city water and natural gas at the road and, and all of these things, right? Right. But then if you have further away from town and rural out towards, um, for the people that are familiar with Coleman, you know, 10 acres out there can be $35,000. But that's still, that's still $3,500 an acre. Okay. And if we're looking at, 20 acres or 40 acres, unless it's very, very, very special property, we're typically not looking at $3,500 an acre. Now we're looking at more down in that $2,500 an acre range, maybe even 2000. But the haptile is a little bit dependent on that too. Is the ground high and dry? Is it low and swampy? Is it developable? I mean, are there things that we can do with it? Area as far as um, is there electric available? Is there any any gas or water available? You know, different things like that are going to raise and lower the, the the price per land. So there are more things that go into what an acre of land is going for. But at the end of the day, if we're going to put a number on this, just a very generic number, I would tell you that in most cases you can buy property at about 1800
0: to 2200 dollars an acre and that's not too bad that's not badly priced at all yep i i know out where i'm at off of m20 the going rate is about two thousand dollars an acre yep but it also depends on you know how far you have to travel to get to that property i know there's properties up in the up that you look at them and they're like eight, nine.
1: Yeah, honestly, even in the Lower Peninsula, y- you can find you can find stuff like that too. It's going to be really remote. Sometimes it's pretty pretty swampy. You know, we have a lot of we have a lot of wet land, um, and, and and I and I just separated that because it's not necessarily delineated wetlands, but we have a lot of wet land in michigan and there are a lot of areas where on the map or on a satellite view you're like oh hey this looks awesome and this 40 acres is really well priced and you go look at it and it's a big old huckleberry marsh um you know and so what what are you going to do with that i mean yeah you can hunt it but you can't you certainly can't put a food plot in you certainly can't necessarily plant any trees or do things like that with it so you know, we would expect at that point that, yeah, we're gonna get that that property for, you know, closer to a $1,000 an acre um, or something like. And, and Martin, I would tell you that, especially when you acre and above range, sometimes we have to break the piece of property down into segments to really put a good market value on it. Because if you've got 40 acres and 20 of it's high and dry and has good timber, but then, Twenty of it drops down into a wetland and is not really developed property. Then I would say, okay, look at this as this twenty acres really is worth two thousand an acre. This twenty acres is worth a thousand dollars an acre. So we're gonna we're gonna break by to um, really understand what the market value of that is
0: based on the ground that you're standing on. Right. I've been talking with people and we have a, we have a mutual friend that you probably didn't know, or you may have known Kendall the Yeah. He's been picking your about developing his property. Uh, Now tips that you can give our listeners that you've been given him um, to turn a property into um, commodity. Trails,
1: you know, when I'm working with buyers, okay, and, and working with buyers really helps me understand the mindset of a buyer and then use that information to help people who are thinking about selling to understand what it is that buyers are currently looking at. So there's a lot of people that really are looking for that turnkey hunting opportunity. And so if you have some some trails cut in, because I mean, some some parcels of property, you know, when you buy them, they don't have a single trail on them. So having some tra- in is very desirable. People like that. Can I can I go unload my quad or my side by side and go drive around the property on these on these trails? Um, that's a uh, sweat type of improvement that you can make on your property. Then you take that a, a step further and you say, okay, have we put in any food sources or do we need to put in any food sources? And the reason I say do we need to is because, again, when we talked about that, you know, what is around this property, you know, we also have to ask ourselves if we have good cover on our property and we're right across the road from a 200-acre bean field, you know, I don't necessarily need to put in food sources. I might want to focus on cover and how do I need that cover? Well, maybe then I plant Norway spruces and, and things like that to provide a really good thermal cover base. That's going to enhance that property. Again, little bit of sweat equity, planting some trees. A little bit of little bit of investment, buying you know uh, buying those uh, those seedlings or whatever range of the size of tree that you buy. Um, timber, you know, for leaving the timber going to provide better resale. For some people doing a little bit of, of minimal cutting is gonna provide better resale because we know that if we cut some understory, then crease the use of that piece of property for the wildlife because of the regen on the forest floor. So that that gets a little Getting a trail system in there and you know, starting to get it set up for somebody so that they don't have to do that work. And you can take your sweat equity and turn that into um, profitable value. Okay. What is the... A little bit more in depth and, and sometimes I'll pull, you know, a forester into the conversation on that,
0: but really the baseline sound bad, but what is the most desirable thing that you can do to put into your sweat equity that's gonna give you your best rate of return. Besides, like what we develop. talked about,
1: talked um, about clearing, you know, just just getting a, a, a chainsaw out and, and cutting. Again, it, it from one property to the next, right? If it's scrubby and there's a lot of undergrowth and it's really hard to, I mean, I've been on properties that honestly. Walking from the road to the back of the property line was a pretty arduous process um, because it was so thick and so scrubby and whatever. And we want some of that for cover, but but we also get around the property too. So getting a chainsaw out and cutting that stuff out and, and, and hauling it out—that's one, the, the number one sweat equity thing you can do that doesn't cost you anything but,
0: you know, the gas for a chainsaw. Right. Plus, you can take some of that brush that you've cleaned out and, and turn it into other um, habitat for other creatures, you know, rabbits. and Rabbits, yeah. And, you know, squirrels, things of that nature that's going to improve, Im- improve the, the wildlife count on your, on your property.
1: Yeah, and if it's not, you know, the, the, the opposite to that is if it's not scrubby property, but what we call the state park, type property where you can see 300 yards straight through, you know, the woods because the canopy is very, uh, you know, high and tall and, and, and big mature trees. Then the sweat equity is going to be selectively taking a few of those trees down to open up that canopy. And that's, that, that's sweat equity too. Well, now, you know, you can sell some of that wood or use it yourself, cut it up and You know, whether you burn wood yourself or like campfires or whatever. Um, But that's going to be another sweat equity thing that's going to make that property desirable. Because um, if you at that time, someone who buys that property is going to probably have to do it when they buy it. So if you've already done it, then it
0: increases the desirability and marketability of that property. Gotcha. What do you find or what can you tell us is that you've seen in your experience is the worst thing a buyer can possibly do? um, For lack of a better term.
1: Clear cut the property. (laughs) 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 Yes. Um, Some people, all they can see is the dollar signs for timber resale and they just go in and just cut the whole thing down. Well, unfortunately um good for some types of wildlife but the perception and when somebody's looking at this piece of property all they can see is barren land and we all know how long it takes for trees to mature you know i mean it takes 50 to 100 years to develop really good mature you know hard and even some some soft um, wood. So I tell people, try to avoid clear cutting. You know, talk to me, talk to a forester, talk to somebody about doing a more of a select cut. Um, so that there's at least some timber still standing on that property because buyers look at it and the first thing they're thinking is, never in my lifetime am I gonna see a mature tree here. And number two, never in my life are going to be any timber value for
0: me or my family here. That you also, you know, everybody's experienced the clear cut on, you know, so that gives you a stigma to begin with. Yes. You know, where, where trees are just laying everywhere and there's stumps and there's brush here and there's a, a stump there and everything is just laying and all they did was come in and took the the good timber out and martin that's another
1: great that's another great point to help people understand is that when you do talk to a timber company about doing a select cut doing a clear cut whatever the case may be you need to you need to communicate with them what your desires are as far as what they're taking and what they're leaving and some people do want some of that brush left and some of them do want, you know, this or that. But you can also negotiate into that contract having all of that stuff cleared out, too. But you have to communicate that. You have to talk about that. And I think that people, if they don't know that that's part of the process and part of what they can negotiate, then they don't know to ask that. And you know what a timber company is going to do. They're going to take the good stuff and leave everything else because that's the easy thing that's the easy way for them. So I want to encourage people that as you're talking to different timber companies about cutting wood for you,
0: include that in your conversation. Um, they get kind of intimidated about negotiating things and some things they don't even think about, especially when you're talking about property and that's your, your cleanup, you know, who's, who's going to clean this up and make it, look good yeah and you know that goes back
1: to different different strokes for different folks right some people just want top top value and, and top dollar for their board foot and they're willing to do the sweat equity of the cleanup themselves and that's completely okay what I want people to to understand is that you do have options there and so you need to make it the decision that's right for you whether you want to do clean up, you know, and get more dollar per board
0: foot. um, But also take people looking for a realtor do. I know when I was first looking for a house to buy with my ex-wife, we went and looked at a house and we used the tours that were, um, and in hindsight, that was the worst thing I could have done because they weren't,
1: of the question when you're looking at a couple different timber companies and asking them so that you make sure that you get top value for your timber is what is included in that price and it it can be different and and sometimes very different from one company to the next and yes that can be intimidating um it's a realm that a lot of people aren't familiar with and so again that's where I just encourage people to reach out to somebody that 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 knows this landscape and knows, you know how how this all goes down and, and ask for that help. Whether it's a whether it's a forester uh, or whether it's a realtor that has some experience in that, and, and just get somebody in
0: your corner to to help represent you. Weren't negotiating for me; they were negotiating for the fella.
1: I would say that that. You've got to find somebody who you're comfortable with that you believe is going to represent your best interest. And I represent buyers and sellers in, in sales quite often. And that really comes down to what their morals and ethics are. And I'll give you an example. In, in this market of multiple offers, quite often I'm representing a buyer and a seller, um, but there's also multiple offers. And if you are executing your job in the way that our fiduciary responsibility is dictated under our licensing, you in some cases um, and, and, and not as much in others. And it really, at the end of the day, very ethically represent both sides. Um, it, uh, it doesn't happen all the time, but I do it quite often. Uh, and, and sides at ease that I'm going to represent you as if I was not representing the seller and the chips are going to fall where the, where the chips are going to fall. And, and maybe that means that this is the right house for us and maybe it's not. But at the end of the day, right. just doing some research on the person, whether it's the listing agent or not, just doing some research and, and just asking around and maybe even calling that agent and asking them some questions like if it's a land if you're looking for buy land and you know five of your friends say hey you should use so and so they did a really good job for us call that person up and ask them how much how, you know how many land sales they've done in the last year if they say two then they probably a good job for your friend in helping them buy a house but they might not know that much about land. Honestly, it's a lot like finding a doctor or an attorney or anything else too. I think a conversation with somebody really you you get that feel of is this a person that I feel comfortable with or did I walk away from that conversation and go, "Hey, eh, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know if this is the, if this is the right fit for me." And, and just listen to that gut instinct and, and find somebody that
0: that you trust and, and that you uh, are confident will do a good job for you. Well, nine times out of 10, your gut feeling is pretty right. I mean, you know, animals have their instincts and, and we have our instincts. And if your gut is telling you, eh, I'm not too sure about this, then they're probably not too sure. <laughs> 100%, I 100% agree. Um, or farthest that you sold in the state of Michigan?
1: New in the over in the County area, um, over there, that was a couple couple hours away, and then uh, uh, up in up in Gaylord. So I guess you know, two hours north, two hours west, which is about as far as you can go in the lower UP from the Midland County area, um. Uh, probably the two farthest that i've done now i've looked at some land with people in the up we didn't we didn't decide to pull the trigger on that but um gaylord to gaylord denuego to
0: county muskegon area uh, um, i was i was kind of bummed i was th- i was hoping you were going to say like all the way to the other end of up yeah. soda or something
1: <laughs> yeah you know martin it was, what's funny about that is um you know when you when you when you travel to to do this stuff a little bit uh, depending on the season you try to work in some other things while you're doing that I love the UP and and I've got some 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 uh, trout fishing spots in the UP that are pretty pretty special to me and so you know when somebody says hey can we go to can we go up and look at this property and it happens to be like you know April or May or something like that. I'm thinking, okay, and I'm going to take an extra day and get some get some trout fishing in while I while I'm there. You feel like you don't want to be overly
0: excited, but you're like, yes, yes, we can.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) for sure, for sure.
0: Um, a little bit. And if somebody wants to get into realty, how do they become a realtor themselves?
1: Not that hard. Um i mean anybody can go on and look up you can google you know state of michigan licensed realtor exam um or course and and you have to take a 40 hour course minimum minimum 40 hours before you can write the test um through the state of michigan Uh, for most people doing it online it's going to take more than 40 hours you know, because I mean, most of us don't have eight hours a day for, for five days in a row to sit and do a course. Um, I go through the course, you know, doing a couple hours here, a couple hours there, um, and then and then wrote the test. So that's that's really the only requirement is that you is that you pass the course and then take the, the test down in Lansing um, and, and pass the test.
0: And that gives you your, your realtor's license. To... That gives
1: you your realtor's license. And and Martin, I'll be the first one to tell you, I went through the course and I passed the test and I sat there in the parking lot with this piece of paper that said I was a licensed realtor. And I realized I don't even know anything about how to do this job. Um, <laughs> really, I'm, I'm serious. It, it, it gives you it gives you the right to do it and what the laws are. And the terminology and, you know, the definitions and all of these things, but you really have got to connect with somebody that can mentor you in, in the process, in building relationships and networking, um, you know, and, and prospecting and marketing, um, you know, there's all these other, there's all these other things that, that are factors to your success, now, I was self employed. My wife and I owned a gym in Midland called Smitty's Ironworks for fifteen years. And so, what, so you so you remember uh, you remember Smitty's?
0: I do. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. So uh, so that 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 gave me obviously a really good base and a really good network and, and a really good understanding of communication and developing relationships and things like that. But some people don't don't come from that background. Um, if you're coming from a nine to five punch time clock job, you know, or whatever, um, it, you know, all of a sudden now you're like, ready, set, go. What do I do? Well, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, because clients don't just fall out of the sky. Um, somebody calls you and says, hey, my, my, my friend referred me to you. And, and that's fantastic. But um, a broker that you're comfortable with that you align with in your, in your goals. And, and, you know, just like we talked about you finding a realtor that you're comfortable with, a, a realtor needs to find a broker that they feel comfortable with because you have to be, you, you have to quote unquote, hang your license under a broker for at least three years before you can write the broker's exam and potentially go out on your own. So a big part of it too, and for me, Modern Realty was. Um, I, I talked to quite a few brokers, and there was no doubt that Logan Ricketti at Modern Realty was was going to be the home for me. Um, we our energy aligned, and I knew that they were heading in the direction that I wanted to head. And so we were we were off and running.
0: See, that's interesting because I did not know that, and I'm sure our listeners didn't know that you have to be under somebody before you can even be out on your own i thought if you wanted to just get your license and then y- you want to go out on your own you just start a start a business and and go but that that didn't yep. work a little bit yep three years
1: you've got to be you've you've got to work as a licensed real estate agent <laughs> or real estate salesperson they will the state of michigan will call it uh, For three eligible to write your brokers, uh, your your brokers license test, and be completely on your own. Huh. What's up with this? But where can people find you? If a couple different ways, uh, of course by by phone or by text is nine
0: eight nine nine four eight three seven three eight of uh, did two home inspections for me and my wife because we were in the process of buying a, a house with 10 acres and that deal fell through. So we ended up buying the house that we're in now with the five acres. And mm-hmm. he did both of the inspections for us. That's great, I
1: uh, I, I, I love Matt to death. I love, uh, I, I love the, the, the process that he goes through with, with homeowners and really, educating them on the home and and uh Matt and I have been good friends for a long time so you'll uh, yep. you'll see you'll continue to see more of those videos come out with Matt and that'll help people kind of on the home buying side and um Hunter Fodor and I are, are just getting ready to record a new series of uh Forestry Friday videos so those will uh, Matt, because his name is Matt, my name's Matt. That's Monday with the Matts. Those videos come out on Mondays, and then Forestry Fridays. Of course, those come out on Fridays. So, hopefully, delivering uh, good good content to people that, uh, that that they enjoy.
0: Yeah, Matt definitely. Um, the reason we went with him again was because of the way he was thorough with us on the first one. He walked us through. You know, this is going to need this, and you might want to take a look at this. And, like, the first thing he looks at when he walks in the house is the door jam, which I would have never thought to even... His door's been kicked in once, and I was like, how do you, how do you know that? Like, (laughs) I was just, and like I said, we went with him twice because how thorough he was with us on the first one.
1: Boils down to a lot of what we've talked about today, Martin, and it's that... You know, you can only be an expert on so many things. And if I need to talk to somebody about something that I don't do every day for a living, um, I, I, I don't, is matt, M-A-T-T, at modernrealty.us. And a lot of people put the dot com in there, and that's actually dot US. And then, honestly, one of the easiest ways to find me is Matt Smith Outdoors Realtor on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn? Those are kind of the three social media platforms that uh, that I use. But um, a lot of people do come to me through Matt Smith Outdoors Realtor. Um, there's also um, I do a lot of video. I do a lot of video stuff on my Facebook page, and and record a lot of videos with home inspectors and and uh, Hunter Fodor, um, who who lives over in Coleman. He's a uh, a forester. We do a video series called uh, Forestry Fridays, um, which is really cool. So if you jump over to my my Facebook page um, and like that page, you can check out all those videos, and they're nice little three minute to five minute videos on different aspects of forestry and. Um, and, and how forestry affects what you're trying to accomplish for um, wildlife goals and things like that. So a lot of really, really good content there.
0: Well, I, I know one of the videos that I watched on your on your Facebook page was with uh, Matt Weckeser. Necessarily figured out myself. I look for somebody that can help me, and that's
1: really the important thing: is surrounding yourself with people that that you trust that that know what it is and, and can help you get to to where you want to be quicker and easier and like i said you know realtor forester home inspector i mean those are th- those are your go those are go to people that that they've got your back and and they're going to help you understand you know how to how to at- achieve your goals
0: definitely i thank you for your time and and the insight as to how we go about finding